moved into this hall, we came and walked through a Clayton and Jen. And then very soon after you had moved in, we came to visit. And it's an honor to be here just before you move into the new. Because God's going to give you some, uh, some profound growth is coming for you. And it's just an honor to be here. Um, when you go from church to church, um, the not all churches are equal. Um, and not all churches are equal in Revelation. Some churches have grown a little and then they stagnate in Revelation, but they grow in numbers. You think that's possible? I see it everywhere. Grow in numbers, but have stopped in Revelation. So the kingdom impact of the church has basically stalled, but, the, but the, the amount of people that keep coming because it's become socially comfortable and it's meeting other needs that are not consistent with the kingdom. I'm trying to decide I should go down this rabbit hole. Revelation 14, Revelation 15, Revelation 18, the, the last big enemy to be taken down is, the, is Babylon the Great, the great prostitute who prostituted and caused all the nations to prostitute themselves and fall away from God. And the, the Babylon the Great has fallen. There's the great celebration at the end of everything. And I was wondering why God was making such a fuss about Iraq as a nation because it's not this world superpower it used to be. And then clearly he's not speaking about that little natural city. He's talking about a spirit that exists that has seduced the nations of the world away from the kingdom of God. Babylon stands in opposition typically in the scriptures as the uh, man-made answer to God's revelation. Right? Tower of Babel, they said, we will make a name for ourselves. We will build uh, a religion up to heaven. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, said, look at this great city I've built. Babylon is the celebration of selfish ambition, arrogance, sexual immorality, and idolatry, and the love of money. The kingdom of God is going to destroy Babylon. And the last great enemy to be destroyed, celebration in scripture, Babylon the great has fallen in a single hour. Now have the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. And many times I go to some churches and they are Babylonian in their structure, but they are Christian in their furnishings. I don't mind if only about five people get this because I'm shooting it for you. Some churches I go to are Babylonian in the way they do things, but are Christian in their veneer. There is no sense of kingdom breakout. There is no glory in the meetings. There's no worship and adoration of Jesus, the king of this kingdom. There is no dynamic from the spirit of God, but there are people worshiping and reading scripture even. Hello. It's so nice to be in a church where the kingdom is celebrated, where Jesus can show up and show off and speak and we listen to his voice. It's so nice when a church, a gathering of God's people is ordered around the kingdom and not selfish ambition or the love of money or arrogance.
Anyway, that was for free. That was just why I was rejoicing in coming here. <laughs> so I just, I really, I was rejoicing. I said, Lord, what a privilege to come to a place where you made the Lord. And so it's great to be with you. I really want to just appreciate you too and the elders of this church because it's, you guys are so hospitable to us every time we come. And we always feel honored and blessed and made to feel um, special. So I just wanted to honor you back. Thank you so much uh, for your, your uh, honest hospitality. You can't fake that. And it's just a blessing to be here. My wife, who sends her love, um, was waiting on the Lord, obviously, before she, we came from Word. And she, gave, she sent this word to me. She said, this is what the Lord spoke to me about. I want to read it to you. Ezra 3, with praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, he is good and his love towards Israel endures forever. The Hebrew word chesed, it means his love, kindness and favor endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord was laid. They were laying the foundation of the temple again. But many of the older priests and heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. And while many were shouting with joy, they were weeping. So no one could distinguish the sounds of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping because the people made so much noise. And the sound was heard from far away. Michelle said, I kept coming back to the scripture whenever I pray for free life because I have a picture of a chessboard where different pieces are being moved around throughout the game in order to, to different positions with the goal of winning. And the board stays the same, but the chess pieces have to move in order for the game to be played. The more strategic the player, the better the game. And although your foundation is solid and well set, it is now time for strategic planning as the pieces on the board have to take up different positions. I believe this is also uh, means to you a new perspective, looking at things from different angles. Some of you will struggle with the new and question necessary adjustments, but the majority of, of you will rejoice for this is your new season. This is a new season of making your name heard outside of these walls. Praise God. If you guys understood what the Lord just said, you'd be doing a little happy dance. <laughs> You're a beacon of hope to your community. You know, to people who starved of living water, to people who are desperate for the bread of heaven, you guys are a welcome sight. This foundation is good, and it's time to build up. You're a beacon of hope, a place that carries influence, and I see the Lord turning up the volume of your voice as it goes out and beyond your doors. It's time for your sound to be heard far and wide. I like that a lot. Remember, you heard it. Remember, I knew you before you were famous. Is that fine? <laughs> That's very cool. Recently, I, uh, we did a family wedding in Italy. Uh, one of my nieces, uh, Michelle's niece, got married, and we were in Italy. We were doing the wedding. <clears throat> one of Michelle's uncles was their great guy, just a beautiful man, and uh, late 70s, and uh, his wife. And... I walk down, you know, we're, it's late, we're having the evening meal, and I walk down to say hi to them, and, and it's great. And um, <clears throat> his wife says to me, man, thank you so much for praying for me. Because a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer, and they called us, and they said, would you pray for us? Because they, they're in a church that, 
that loves Jesus but just doesn't believe that he moves today. And so they called us and said, could you pray for us? And we said, we said sure. And I remember vaguely remember praying over the phone for them. And she said, I, um, I never told you, but when you guys prayed, a, a peace hit me. And I knew it was going to be okay. And this is now a couple of years later, and she's completely free of cancer. And she went through chemo treatment, but she said, from that moment onwards, peace hit me. And uh, I was like, wow, that's very cool. Yay, I'm glad. And, uh, and, and the Lord prompted me, and he said, because her uncle said, oh, I see you, you went to Pakistan recently, because I'd gone on a trip to Pakistan with Leif Hetland. And I felt like the Lord prompted me. He said, show them some video. Show them some of the testimonies. So I took out my phone, and I showed, you know, waited for it to download, and I showed them the testimony. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, that's great. And I went back to my seat, and he, he texted me a, a few days ago. He said, oh, I, by the way, I just wanted to let you know, while you were showing us that video, I felt a fire in my belly. And uh, he said, I haven't told anyone, but for a couple of years I've had intense pain whenever I eat. I can't eat a full meal because I have a real serious... His dad died of pancreatic cancer, and so he, he didn't want to go to the doctor because he was sort of convinced that that's what was happening, and he didn't want to tell anybody. And So he was eating little bits and pieces. But he said, I sat at the wedding, and they had salmon, and it's my favorite, and I was like hungry. And he said, so I ate more than I should. And then he said, I realized there was no pain, and so I finished it all, you know, and then finished his wife's, you know, and then... <laughs> And uh, there was no pain. And he said, uh, since that time, this was now three weeks later, he said, there's been zero pain. And the Lord's completely healed me. The reason I tell you that is because these are the days where the kingdom is breaking out. The, 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 the lining between the kingdom and this world is very thin. And it wants to break out everywhere. Now, when you hear a testimony... So I decided I want to show you the video. And I want to show you the video because kingdom wants to break out here and bring supernatural, miraculous, powerful healings in this meeting, in this morning. So I'd like to just show you a little video. There's two videos. One is a Muslim leader, one of the key Muslim leaders in Pakistan who had come because his shoulder had frozen. And, and last time Leif was there, he'd prayed for him and his other shoulder got healed. And so he said, hey, could, could you pray for me again? And so we went up to the hotel room and we prayed for him and he got instantly healed. And I want you to hear his testimony. And then uh, the second part is a little girl who was blind and crippled and we were at a crusade and uh, we, we prayed for her and, and her uncle just wouldn't take no for an answer. And he, he put her up on the stage and held her up because her legs wouldn't hold her. And so the team began to pray, and her legs began to straighten. And then she, and so you'll see the testimony. Can we play that video? I, yet before we do, just one, one second. This video is not so that you can watch. This video is, is the Holy Spirit moving in this place going, would you like some of this? Would you like some of this? And if you do, you go, Lord, me too. And the power of God will come on you. Watch. Let's do that. It just, ah. it was so painful when I <laughs> lift my soldier before. Jesus? Let's say, say Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, there is. 
Thank you that there's healing in the name of Jesus. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, one more time. मैं आप बिलीव करें कि बिलीव नहीं मुझे यकीन नहीं आता कि इतनी स्पीडली जो ये आई कर देते हैं I can't understand how quickly मेरा left shoulder जो था पहली दफा last time when you pray for my left shoulder but and the right shoulder is one month one month ago was so bad oh was jammed almost I couldn't move but with this मेरी जान भी तेरे से आ रही है। I have I I swear to you I love you so much I can give my life for you. Inshallah. Oh nice. My young brother and my big brother. Thank you so much. Okay. This guy is a, my one of the wall of my heart was closed and I was so much pain in my heart, in my chest. And when I came, I was full of pain in my chest. Joseph, when I had pain, David, when I have pain, I have extremely pain in my in my in my chest. So he is he's absolutely fine now. Hallelujah! 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 Are you one happy? What is your name? My name is Laiba. And what is your name? I am Pastor Sishan. Oh, Sishan. Yes. This, this is nice. This Muslim girl. What is her name? Is it Laiba? Laiba. Laiba. Well, what did Jesus do for Laiba? She's born blind. She's born blind. Can she see now? Or did it just... Hey, can, can you... Look at me. Can you make it up my nose? She was blind and guess what? She can see and she was she couldn't walk. Can we see her walk and run? Can you come? I will walk. Let's see her run and walk. Yes, so she can run. If you have a sickness or disease in your body, won't you stand, please? If you trust in God for healing, stand. If, you, um, if you're sitting near these people, gently put your hand on them. We're going to trust God. The power of God is coming now. You ready? Father, we release your power. Whew, what's this? Father, we release power. I break off infirmity. 
In Jesus' name, I command you to go. I break you off these people, and we release, Lord, the power of God right now. There it is. Woo, that's nice. I release it, Lord. Yeah, more. Fire of God, Lord, in Jesus' name. I release the healing fire of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you break off every infirmity. In Jesus' name, we will not have you near these people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command it to be broken off them in Jesus' name, never to come again. But Father, we release your health, and we release, Lord, a new day. I thank you for prosperity, Lord, and favor. And I remember, Lord, remember your peace upon these people, your covenant of peace with them, Lord. And healing, Lord, is the, is the bread of the children. You said it, Lord. This is the children's bread. So I release the children's bread right now. And throughout this meeting this morning, Lord, I thank you that miracles and healings are going to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. If you felt something significant, why don't you raise your hand? Let me just see what the Lord did. Yeah, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you. Take your seats. Very cool. I have no idea how long I've got. Catch me if you can. I want to preach a message called The Faith Lessons of Our Fathers. It's been a fascinating time getting ready for this message. Um, had, had so many different disparate little messages. And I was like, Lord, I, I suppose I could preach five different messages. And the Lord said, no, no, they're all together in one, one chapter. So I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look through some faith lessons uh, that I felt like the Lord said. But Paul said this in Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. So um, sometimes the church doesn't know they're in a fight. Many years ago, there was a, there was a world boxing heavyweight fight, and uh, they were boxing, and the one guy thought he heard the bell. And there was about, still a minute left to go in the ring. So he put down his hand, and he turned around, and he started walking back to his corner. And the other guy had heard no bell. And he walked up behind him, and he smacked him sideways, knocked him out. If you don't know you're in a fight... You're going to get hurt. Right? Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say fight the good fight of obedience. Fight the good fight of faith. And, and there, is a, there is a challenge. There is a press. There is a hunger. There is a, there is a push from the enemy to get you away from your faith. As long as he can get you doing stuff and not believing stuff, he's happy. Enemy doesn't mind people doing religious stuff. He's petrified of those who believe God. Amen. So the world is full of weeds and vines that are going to try and seek out to choke the kingdom out of you. It's like a dust bowl. It wants to cake your heart with a layer of unbelief so that you can't respond in faith. I, uh, I may have told this story. I was, I was in a church in in Canada, and I'm, and I'm in worship, and the Lord shows me a guy, I see a vision of a guy, and I, and I see where he's sitting in the meeting, and I know what he's dressed like, and the Lord says to me, he signed an agreement this morning for a new business. Tell him that if he asks the church to pray for him, I'll 10x his profits. I was like, woo, what a great word. So, but now checking out, because I'm like, I'm not there. So I walk to the edge, trying to look spiritual, and I look back to where I think he should be sitting, and there he is, exactly as I saw in my vision. So I'm like, Phew. so I get up and I go, there's somebody here, and I tell the story. Where are you? And I'm looking at him, and he doesn't move. So 
I go, no, no, really, there's somebody here. He, he's looking straight at me. Hmm. I go, no, no, you signed, the, you signed this. You got the papers last night. You signed this morning. Where are you? So I go, maybe I missed it. So I said, everybody who's got a business pray. So I pray for them. And, they, and so we pray for them and they sit down. But now I'm ticked. <laughs> so I point, I point him out. I go, you, you, sir. Didn't you sign an agreement this morning? He goes, yeah. And I'm, I'm literally gobsmacked at why a man who has just had a word from God, who's been, who's been supernaturally picked out and has had a word from God that I'll 10x your profit. And the, the point was, part of your role was to stand as one of the people in this church who helps the church finance. It's part of the call of God on his life. And I'm sitting there wondering why somebody like that in the middle of a miracle is not responding. And I realized the, the layer of unbelief that is so settled on his heart that he has never seen a miracle. And now he's in the middle of one. And even while he's in the middle of one, he can't believe it. And if we allow the world to cake our hearts with unbelief, the only thing left to us is religion. Harsh, demanding, devoid of power, no good fruit. Because we can't believe, so we, we're left with that. But faith will take you on a journey of joy, exhilarating and interesting and beautiful. And, but if you take faith out of the equation of what we're supposed to, to live like, God will devolve into a long list of rules policed by justice-minded eagle eyes. But if you approach Jesus full of faith, he smiles and takes you on a massive adventure. And don't tell me that your heart doesn't cry for massive adventure because you were born for it. You were created for it. And he's so, he's so eager to take you on it. So I want to jump into some lessons of faith from our fathers and we're going to read through a few verses in Hebrews chapter 11 and see how far we can get. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It's fascinating in this list uh, Adam and Eve don't make the list. They weren't commended for their faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created at God's command. Stop. There are some things that you're going to have to understand by faith. You're not going to get to the kingdom always when somebody's justifying it to you. Now, now Jesus, uh, wait, before... Before you put that mud that you've made on my eyes, could you just explain the scientific benefits of your spittle in mud and how that's going to you? <laughs> the one guy, Jesus, stuck his fingers in his ear, told him, stick out your tongue, and he spat on his tongue. And he got healed. But before, wait, before you spit on my tongue, can we just have a little, can you explain to me the scientific? No, I can't. Some things in the kingdom... By faith, we understand. No, no, no. But the, how, could, how could God create something out of nothing? That doesn't, that's, there is no such thing. That doesn't work. Science doesn't work that way. We're not talking science. We're talking Jesus. And there are going to have to be some things in your heart and in my heart that you take by faith. Because you'll never get there by logic. Not that I'm anti-logic. I like logic. It just doesn't get you the kingdom. Yeah. 
By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. There was nothing, and then there was everything. And in between those two, there was one word from God. Let there be light. Not that there were many people around, just angels. So I want to talk about a few things. Last time I was here, I ended with something I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me to say, and I felt like he said, say it again. So I want to talk about the calm guy with animal skins. The calm guy in animal skins. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Remember the story. Adam and Eve were clothed with glory. They walked around practically naked, but clothed in the purity, the beauty of holiness and the glory of God was all around them. And they lived in a blessed estate. God had commanded two things to the Sabbath. He said, the Sabbath will have my blessing on it and I'll make it holy. Two things God did to the Sabbath. Law first mentioned in the scripture, that's what it teaches. God made the Sabbath full of blessing blessed it and he made it holy and then he put mankind in sabbath up until that time there was morning and evening the first day the second day the third day the fourth day the fifth day the sixth day and on the seventh day god rested and that was an eternal state and mankind was put into sabbath rest the last thing god did on the sixth day created man and then he rested and he put man in sabbath rest with him where we could meet together mankind was designed you were born and designed to live in an estate where god's blessing and holiness abide Okay. What was lost at the fall was restored at the cross. Jesus wanted you back in Sabbath rest. He wants you at peace with God through your Lord Jesus Christ. What religion wants you to do is to tell you, no, 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 there's no time for rest. You have to earn it. It's an abomination to the Lord. So they kicked out of the garden because the moment they sin, the glory of God disappears and they realize we're naked. So they made themselves some fig leaves, which is typical of fig leaf religion. And God comes and he, and he says, okay, now what's going on? And so he puts some animals to death, the innocent animal for the sinful human. And he puts the animal to death and he takes the skin of the animal and he shows them, you have to wear, because up until this time, Adam and woman were not allowed to eat any animals. They only ate vegetables and fruit. So for the first time, Adam and woman are now wearing what previously were the skins of friends, and they are now walking around in the substitutionary death, constantly reminded of their sin and what was necessary to cover them. Are we tracking? And so Adam and Eve, and then they have Cain and Abel, but they're no longer living in a garden under the favored skies and the blessed ground they are now outside the garden in a semi-desert and the ground has been cursed because of them cursed is the ground because of you with thorns and thistles painful toil and the sweat of your bridle produce very little for you and they're living out there and Cain goes out and he works the ground He's going to stick through no matter what. And Abel looks after some flocks. And they have this discussion. I wonder what it was like in the evenings when they were talking about how it used to be in the garden. Almost unbelievable to Cain and Abel. You used to talk and walk with God? Yeah. So they decide three months time, we're going we're to bring sacrifices to God in, in the hopes that we can cover our sin and we can draw back to, 
close to him. And so Cain goes out and you know the story, he works his little tail off and the Bible says the only way the ground will produce for you is through painful toil and the sweat of your brow. And he works his little tail off and he brings a boatload of produce back for his representation. This is his offering to God. And, he, and he's been out early in the morning and he's come back late at night and this represents a significant, awe-inspiring effort on behalf of Cain. And Abel goes and takes one of the, the lambs and he cuts it and he takes the fat portions and he puts it out there. And by comparison, his effort is minuscule. And they both put their offerings there and God comes and goes, oh, I love this offering, Abel. And Cain's like, he, he slept an hour after I was working already. What's, what's with this? Because God doesn't like man sweat on his sacrifices. God said to Abel, well done. Because you understood that something innocent has to die to cover your sin. And you brought me blood. There needs to be a testimony that something has died if I want my sin to be washed away. And Abel standing in the skin of an innocent offers the, another innocent. And God says, I find that acceptable. And Hebrew says, by faith he offered a better sacrifice. You know why it took him faith? Because while he was watching his brother work hundred times harder than him, he kept going, but Lord, you said you want this. And so when his brother shows up with this immense, significant, hard work offering, Abel has to stand there and go, I'm going to put my faith in this one. And there's some of you, you've been taught your whole life, you just need to work a little bit harder. It's another hundred hours. Just give it some more. And then God will find favor with you. And I just want to say to you, the only way God looks upon you with favor is when you embrace his son, Jesus Christ, and you believe on him. And when you do, you enter favored scars and blessed ground because you find peace with God in Jesus and you rest from all your own works. That's the plan. I just went past all my notes. Number two, God's friend who disappeared. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For he, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Enoch was known as the guy who walked with God. To see God's happy with him. How did, how did they know God was happy with him? God must have made it obvious, right? Do you think people say behind your back, he or she walks with God? Didn't they say that about you? They said it about Enoch. That guy walks with God. You know why? Because Enoch often uh, moved away. He often took some time. You know, where's Enoch? Oh, he's, he's gone for a walk with God again. How often do you think he went out? Enoch walked with God. And it was testified that, that God was pleased with him. In Luke 5, there's this fascinating scripture about Jesus in the in the, in the, in the, the 
the swing of the momentum of his popularity because he's miracles and healings and people are driving out demons and people are coming and the crowds are getting big and there's 15, 20, 25,000 people everywhere he goes. He can't walk into a village because it gets swamped. People are, there's like paparazzi are out. Where is Jesus today? You know, and then they're flocking to where he is. And, and the Bible says of this, Luke 5, 15, excuse me. <coughs> Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. Because he kept saying to people, don't tell anybody. I know you just got healed, don't tell anybody. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Greg, you don't understand, um, that was okay, but I'm a high-powered capacity mover and shaker, and I don't have time to withdraw often to be with God. I, I got stuff to do, deals to make. So did Jesus. Jesus had to save the entire world. <laughs> and Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he could pray. We have hurry sickness as a culture. How many of you, when you, go to, when, you, when you go to a supermarket and you have a basket, check out which line is gonna give you the quickest, you go, okay. right? You don't just join a line, you go, that checkout person is the fastest, I'm gonna get. How many of you coming up to a light? Check out which lane should I be in? How many of you, when you're watching uh, something, Netflix or something, you, you fast forward because the show is just not going fast enough? <laughs> Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place. When was the last time you withdrew? to a lonely place for a couple of hours just to walk with God. How dare you just take one day in the next seven where you carve out a couple of hours. And let me tell you, if you're anything like most of us, that first 45 minutes is gonna be sheer murder. Because my brain has circumvented the globe seven times. And then I'm so fidgety and, and then read and then pray. And then I've prayed for everybody I know. And it's 12 minutes gone by. <laughs> John Mark Coburn said, if you want the life that Jesus lived, you have to embrace the lifestyle he did. You want his life? Embrace his lifestyle. It's called being a disciple. Not called to be a believer, it's called to be a disciple. You want his life? Embrace his lifestyle. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. When was the last time you withdrew to a lonely place and just hang out with God? I had a friend, had a very high-powered businessman. And he said, I'm in, I'm in a mess. I'm about to lose my third marriage. My kids hate me. Making money hand over fist. They called for my friend. He said, what do, I, what do I do? He said, I need you to give me two days. 
And he said, okay, I'm desperate. I'll do anything. He said, but I'm in charge for two days. I said, I, I promise you, I'll do whatever you say. He said, great. He said, what do you want me to do? So I want you to come to the church at 8 o'clock. And we'll put you in a room and I want you to just pray. So he called him at 9.15. What do you want me to do now? He says, no, no, just pray. Till when? Till lunchtime. Call me at 12.30. Someone says, sit here and pray. He's here. The guy almost hit his head on the walls. He calls him at lunchtime. Okay, I'm going for lunch now. What do you want me to do after lunch? I want you to go back and pray. The guy literally said to me, no, this is cruel and unusual punishment. Can't, I can't, can't handle next morning what do you want me to do so i want you to come here sit and bring your bible read and pray to spend time with god i guess this this is not this is not doing this is not what i need this is not going anywhere this is not accomplishing anything by the second afternoon the guy had an encounter with jesus began to weep heard god's voice by the third day he was repenting to his wife i'm so sorry i messed up Some of us, especially the A-type, we go, I can take it. I can press through. And I just want to say to you, that's not the, that's not the Jesus way. Enoch walked with God. Listen to this. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. This is the book of Jude. This is way later in the New Testament. He said, this is what Enoch said. So this was the revelation given to Enoch while he was walking with God. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict them of all the ungodly acts that they've committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This was a revelation that Enoch got while he's walking with God. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, Enoch, he said, yeah. He said, you want to see how everything ends? He goes, yeah. So the Lord shows Enoch, Jesus coming back in his second coming. And he sees all the angels coming with him in glory. And he sees the judgment of the whole world. And Enoch's going, whoa, that's pretty good. And Jesus said, we'd like to be part of it. He goes, yeah. And he was. Jesus took him. And Enoch participated in the second coming because no time in eternity. about three of you are going to get this in the spirit when you combine faith with what God shows you you can have it Enoch walked with God and experienced being caught up to meet with the Lord in the air even while he was here he was the seventh from Adam he was one of Adam's descendants right in the beginning but he walked with God and God showed him the end and when he saw it he believed it and God said okay come boom and he disappeared everyone was like what happened to him Ah, he just joined the second coming of Jesus. 6,000 years, 7,000 years before anyone else. What you see when you hang out with God has potential to transform you. I'm not just talking about, okay, I need bread and water for today. I, need, I was like, don't make waves. Lord, I just need something. I'm not talking about running on empty. I had an uncle who, you know, every time he got in his car, it was on, you know, he used to say, E for enough. You know, there was this, <laughs> you know, like, I'm never, I don't think we're going to make it because, you know, it's always on E. Like, and I see a lot of Christians run like that, run, running on empty. 
when you should be, Jesus said, I came to give you life, the overflowing, constant overflow of life. You should be spilling over with life all the time. And most of us running on empty. You know why? Jesus withdrew often to lonely places and prayed. And so did Enoch. Wayne Cordero said, solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave if you neglect it. If you just say, all right, I'm done. I don't want to see another person. I don't want to just leave me alone. Lock me in the room. Just throw some food in every now and again. Leave me alone. Because you haven't been in solitude with Jesus. So you crave isolation. Because when you go and you spend time with Jesus, you go and you get his love and you come out and you're full of hope and full of fire and you come back in and then the crowds are waiting and then you can minister and there's flow and there's power and then you go back and hang out with Jesus again. Let's talk about the man, man of the mountain. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. What a fascinating scripture. The Bible says that it was Noah's faith that condemned the world. Could it be that some of the evil structures that exist, that have been built up over years by the enemy, are waiting for someone to believe? and thereby be condemned. Track with me. The Bible calls Noah the preacher of righteousness, but it says in the days of Noah, the only inclination of man was always only towards evil. So Noah's preaching was not saving his generation. The answer to the problems in Noah's generation was not double up on your meetings, Noah. Get a louder microphone, preach more. You tracking? The answer to his generation was God was looking. God said, I don't need you to do this. I'll do this. I need someone to believe what I'm telling. God was waiting. He said, I need somebody that I can preserve. Will you believe me? And he said, Noah, you're the guy. And Noah said, you know what? I believe you. And God said, great. And the moment Noah took that ax and swung at the first tree, the moment Noah's faith produced action in him. The Bible says, in holy fear, because God showed Noah what was coming, and Noah, holy fear hit Noah, and he was like, I'm, I'm on, I'm on it. The Bible says, when Noah believed, his faith condemned the world. There's some things, there's some evil that sits around in your life, and you're going, more work. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. Just listen to me, and believe what I'm telling you. Let me give you an example. In the Old Covenant, God said, all right, every, every seven days, I want you to not to work. Every seventh year, no work for the farmers. Every 49th year, it was the, you know, that's the seven sevens, and then the 50th is Jubilee, so I don't want you to work in Jubilee either. So you were coming up to Jubilee, the 48th year, you were allowed to plant crops, but the 49th year, you weren't allowed to, and the 50th year, you weren't allowed to. So your 48th year crop, you had to trust God that the, the crop on the 48th year is going to be enough for the 48th year and the 49th year and the 50th year and into the 51st year until your crops on the 51st year come, come in. Yeah. You're tracking. So a farmer had to have some faith in his heart 
to say, you know what, we're gonna observe the Sabbath. I'm not gonna do anything this year. How many farmers do you know that can sit still for a year? This year, what am I gonna do this year? What's my time with your kids? You know how much faith it required of them? The Lord said, seven festivals a year, three festival seasons. I want every male above the age of 13 to be in Jerusalem. Yeah, Lord, that's great, but we live next to the Philistines, and if I travel 80 miles with all the men in our household to Jerusalem, who's going to look after the women and our stuff? And the Lord said, I'll look after them. So if you're going to go to observe the Sabbath in Jerusalem, take a little faith. Some business people, the Lord goes, stop. Go home and spend some time with your kids. Well, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Your kids need you. How many of you think it's going to cost a little faith? See, you're all fine when it, was, when it was spiritual, but when the moment I brought it into business, it went suddenly very quiet in this place. Let's talk practical realities. By faith, you condemn an evil structure that's built in the world but you can't do it by more work. Go home and spend some time with your kids and trust God. You ensure the devil's destruction when you believe God over your life. But you don't believe God and you think more work is gonna get it done. You're just gonna spin your wheels. Mountain climbers looking for lambs. Let's talk about verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, and he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Let's go to Genesis 22, pick up the story. Isaac spoke up, and he said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Isaac's walking up the mountain. He felt a little uncomfortable because his dad, when he was loading him up with the sticks, seemed to be measuring him. You know, for like, you know, it's, about right. it's like, Dad, hey, Dad, we have at the fire and I got the sticks and where's the lamb? they didn't know is on the other side of the hill God had sent a, a ram walking up the other side of the hill and while they're making their way up this side of the hill they can't see the ram coming up the other side of the hill but God is orchestrating that ram to be in the place that they're going to land and when they get to where they're going to be in obedience to what God has told them to do the lamb will be waiting for them and the principle is that on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided for you and so he named that place the Lord our provider or the Lord who goes ahead of us to see to it that's literally what it means God is the uh, Jehovah Jireh the God who has gone ahead of you to see to it and so when you start doing what he told you to do you will walk into the provision that he's prepared for you people don't want to do if by faith, what the Lord has told them to do, they go, no, 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 I'll just work harder. And God is saying, 
harder work is not necessarily what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is obedience to what I told you to do. I want you to listen to me and do the thing I told you to do. And when you join your faith to what God told you to do, you'll walk into the provision that he's already sent up the mountain and is waiting there for you. We had a lady in our children's ministry, just a really sweet, for 18 years she led our children's ministry, Jenny, Jenny Means, just a beautiful woman. Just an anointing to help young kids connect with the Holy Spirit and has been, it was such a delight. When I started the church, I, I went on my face, I said, God, you've got to send us some of the children's ministry and Jenny and her husband, and I said, we need a worship leader and he, he's a worship leader and she's the children's, and I was like, there's the lamb, you know, the God provided. And Jenny was just such a beauty, and, and uh, they, they've moved away, and she, she can't, uh, you know, she, they, they live an hour and a half away, and they still come to church. But she, she can't run it, and she can't be there, so, so they're fine. And uh, we had, we'd hired somebody else, and, and uh, they just, uh, the Lord moved them on, and so now we're in this motor, we need somebody. And I'm praying, Lord, Lord. And we find this young girl, and she's just great. And she reminds me of Jenny. But she, went, she was trained at Bethel, and, and she'd come here, and the Lord just led her, and her, and her husband's a worship guy. And uh, so we offer her the job. And she's so excited, she calls her best friend. She goes, I just got a job. And she, goes, and she said, I, I, I thought of you because this is the lady that trained her at Bethel. Because when she was at Bethel, she took an elective and said, what I want to want? I want to learn about children's ministry. And this was the lady who was at Bethel who trained her in children's ministry. She wrote to her and she just said, hey, thank you. I just want to say thank you. I just got a job at this church. And she goes, what church is it? And she says, Northlands. And she says, I grew up in Northlands. Jenny means daughter. Four years ago, in another state, the woman who is... God's provision for us was being trained by the woman, by the daughter of the woman that had been out. She had grown up with her mom ministering in our church. She's, this girl is being trained by that woman four years ago before I knew there was going to be a need. Are you tracking? Some of you think your need, you just became aware of your need. But God became, God's not about your need for long. Have you been Fashioning something beautiful for it, but you're only going to get access to it by faith. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. The revelation of Jehovah Jireh would not have been Abraham's if he hadn't had faith. He would not have been on the mountain. He would have not have discovered the ram. He would not have seen the facet of who God is. Are we tracking? The word about the ram is a word that is hovering over this church and has been for some months. God will provide a ram. And for anybody who would dare to reach up and grab it, that is a current word of God over this church. God is going to provide for you. And the provision is going to be supernatural and spectacular. And you're going to find God in the middle of it. And it's going to change your life because of it. And it's a story you're going to be able to tell your kids and your grandkids. Let me tell you about the time when God provided a lamb. 
And I don't know what the lamb you need is. And I don't know what mountain you're climbing up. And I don't care that you can't see the provision right now. What I do care about is that you're walking by faith into the thing that God called you to do. So my question to you is, what has God called you to do? I had a businessman in the middle of multiple, multi-country, multi-banks, massive deal. And, he, and he, so I'm talking to him about, just get away and spend some time with the Lord. And he goes, okay. But he says, I can, I, can, I can give it an hour, Monday morning. That afternoon, he's supposed to meet with banks in three different countries. British banks, US banks, I don't know, some other bank. In, and they're gonna do this multi, multi-million dollar deal and he has to pr- pr- produce paper and everything for it and he spends time with the Lord. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord says, I want you to take a day off. Because Lord, I appreciate the heart. <laughs> I got, you know, I got this, and the Lord says, take the day off. I said, okay. Closed up the office, put floppies on, and hang out. About 10 o'clock, his heart is back in his chest, and he's like, maybe I should, and the Lord goes, watches a movie with his wife, goes shopping, Two hours before the meeting, they all call him and say, listen, we, we are so sorry. We couldn't get ourselves organized. We're going to have to cancel this. We're going to push it for a week. We'll come back again next week. It was the first rest he'd had in about a month. This gets intensely practical when you start living by faith. There are some things I think the Lord wants to do here today. He wants to say to some people, you've got to stop expecting that your sweat equity is going to buy favor with God because it's your faith that he's after. Because verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to him must believe two things fundamentally. One, he exists. And two, He rewards anyone who seeks him diligently. God's not a respecter of persons. He rewards anyone, anyone, anyone who seeks him diligently. If you believe that, change the the way you act. I believe God rewards seekers. So I seek. That's why Psalm 14, Psalm 68 says, the fool says in his heart there's no God. And the Lord looks down from heaven to see if there are any who understand, comma, any who seek God. God God can tell the fools from the wise in a blink of an eye. You know how? The wise are not searching for him. I mean, the, the fools are not searching for him. Because they go, there's no God. There's, why would you seek for a God you don't believe exists? But the, but, the, but the believers, they go, God rewards those who seek him. God looks down from heaven to see who's seeking me. Some of you, 
some of you. I've, I just feel like the, the Lord's saying basically the same thing through five or six different cameos. He wants more faith and the actions that spring from that faith. Noah spent about 100 years building an ark that was bigger than a football field, three stories high. He had to, he had to build it, carve it, cut the planks, nail them together, cover the whole thing with tar inside and out. Yeah, how long that took him to go, go to the tar pit, dig a tar pit, get the tar, come back, paint the ark, go back, get some tar. It wasn't like there was no work involved in Noah finding rest. It's just that the work he was doing was in line with the call of God. That's why they called him the madman of the mountain. So about 50 years, people go by, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why? Because see this valley? Yeah, it's all going to be underwater. Where are you going? I'm going past the madman of the mountain. What's he say going to happen? He says water is going to fall out of the sky enough to fill this whole valley and then that thing is going to float off with all the animals. I'm just waiting for the Lord. I feel like the Lord wants to say something. So, <laughs> Funny thing happened to me today. From early morning, I began to weep and groan. And I wept through. I was in, I was in, a, I was in a, a line for about 25 minutes waiting for some food this morning. And I'm sitting there and I'm weeping in intercession. And I'm groaning my way through a prayer. Not even, a, not even coherent words. And I began worship today and I just began to groan again. There's something, the scripture says, of the spirit of God groans with words that are inexpressible. There's something of a groaning in the spirit of your church. There's something being born this morning in this uh, church, but in this state. There's something that God is doing here that is not the stuff of visibility. It's the stuff of faith. The reason I felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk to my people about faith is that uh, the structures are beautiful. God wants to fill in all the cracks with faith. Because something is coming supernatural to this church. And it's a high honor and a holy thing. And I feel like the Lord is inviting you and encouraging you. Fight the good fight faith and don't fall into the trap that more human effort is necessary when the cross has already been demonstrated you foolish Galatians Paul said who has bewitched you they're not trying to call you to more effort when clearly before your very eyes I portrayed Jesus in his crucifixion that should be enough how can you fall for this? Oh, there's more work necessary when I showed you the cross. I'd like to pray for you. Lord, you're going to do more in a day could ever conceive of in a year your kingdom 
breaking out here. And I've experienced the groaning of the Spirit of God over this church, Lord, and I just thank you for what you're wanting to do, and I pray you would do something profound. And I ask, Lord, for everybody in this room who's set up their heart to withdraw to a lonely place, to meet with you. I'm asking, Lord, that it would be unbelievably good. Visit with them. Speak with them. Commune with them. Sup with them. Fill them up. And I ask, Lord, that in every household represented here, supernatural favor begin to be demonstrated. Let it be said of them, they walk with God. And they please Him because of their faith. Now, Father, we bless the build-out project. We thank you, Lord, there'd be no mistakes and there'd be no damage and there'd be no one hurt and there would be more than enough provision and that, Lord, uh, you'd bring us back together when it's time, full of joy, full of joy. And fill this place, Lord, and fill the new seats in remarkable time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. For that wonderful word. Well, that was awesome. Reminder that uh, don't come here this time next Sunday. Uh, go to the Fall Festival instead. Oh, that's sorry. That's happening at uh, 12. But don't come here. We're going to be closed for two weeks at least and hopefully uh, back here at that time. Uh, if you can help stack chairs after the service day, that would be wonderful. And or the sound team, if you want to go to lunch and come back at 2, they're going to be responsible for getting all the chairs and all the sound equipment back. So if anybody's available to help, they could really use that at about 2 o'clock. Other than that, we have a ministry team that's uh, trained and ready to pray for you today. Otherwise, go enjoy maybe the last nice day of warm weather. See you in a few weeks. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We are so glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you! Beginning September 27th, Join the women's ministry in an interactive Bible study covering the life of Jesus. The first eight weeks of the study will take place on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. beginning September 27th through November 15th. For more information or to register, please go to the events page on our website or visit our table out in the lobby, where one of the ladies would be happy to answer any questions you may have. Next Sunday, October 2nd, join us for our Fall Festival. This will be a fun event for the whole family and will include food, fellowship, games, and more. The event will go from noon to 5 o'clock p.m. Please sign up to let us know if you are coming. We can't wait to see you there. Living Free Ministry is now accepting appointments. We would love to help you restore a deeper connection with the Lord and find freedom from what may be holding you back. Email livingfree at freelifechurchva.com to schedule an appointment. Calling all the men, we have an exciting event coming up on November 5th. 
Join us for our Men in the Marketplace Conference, where we will come together for a time of worship and to hear from men who are led by the Holy Spirit as they lead their families and businesses. We will also have a fun time of fellowship with a bonfire, axe throwing, music, and a barbecue dinner. Go to our events page and register online today. Due to the remodeling of our building, we will be closed for the next two Sundays and will not be holding worship service at our facility for Sunday, October 2nd or October 9th. We will take this opportunity to meet off-site as a church family for our fall festival on October 2nd, so please come out and fellowship with us. Don't forget to sign up! Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving, and we invite you to give towards the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text FREE LIFE to 55498 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.